Welcome to Success Leaves Clues Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Brackett, and I've been blessed enough in my life to meet individuals who've been able to leave me clues on my journey to success. The goal of this show is to bring you the experience of those who have achieved great things and allow you to be a fly in the wall, soaking up clues for your own journey to success. Very happy that you along for the ride with us again today. Um, today, I have another treat for you today. Um, someone who I kind of look up to and admire, uh, not only from his fashion sense, um, but also from his business sense. Um, been a good friend of mine for the last, man, almost eight years. Um, guys, that's well-respected in this industry. And when I tell you well-respected, the man is well-respected. Uh, Senior Vice President, General Merchandise Manager at one of the biggest clothing companies, Finish Line, in the nation. Um, had held that job since September 2016. Prior to that, he led the Finish Line and Macy's team in a similar role in May of 2015. So probably uh, one of the guys responsible for that transition of uh, Finish Line, having a presence inside of Macy's. We're going to talk about that and how that's been impactful, not only on Finish Line, but also on the Macy's side. So I also helped them out. Um, before that was a buyer eight years at Nordstrom's, another well-respected brand. Um, There's plenty of of books uh, written about the Nordstrom way and just that customer service and that detail. We're going to talk about the experience of the retail industry as well. Um, Vendor negotiations and purchasing and men's footwear in the Midwest and East Coast regions. Um, We're going to talk about the foresight division it takes. I'm also a guy who plays in my industry a little bit. The restaurant industry has several nightclubs, um, we're going to talk about some of your history back then, um, talk about your career, where you grew up, all that good stuff. Glad to have you, my man, Ronnie Jefferson. How you doing, brother? Uh, doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Um, pleasure to be here. Yeah. You know? Finally got me on here. Yeah, so, that, that's it, good, man. Thing. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Yes, indeed. It, it's, it's amazing, man. So just starting off, I think when um, Ronnie Jefferson, anyone that knows you come to, come to your mind, your fashion sense. Right. Yeah. You've always had that trend-setting um, ability in your fashion sense, and and really, um, you're not afraid. I right. mean, some of the colors and combinations that you put together, I mean, they're, they're loud, they got energy, they're yes. vibrant, but it matches your personality. So well, what's your mindset uh, when you get dressed or when you yeah. buy fashion? What, what, what goes into that? For me, it's easy. I, I grew up, I, if you ask anybody who knew me since high school, I was always different in that fashion sense. And I learned a long time ago is uh, the image for me. And if I walk in this room, we got all got blue suits on. I'm going to have to have a tie on that's going to separate me. Yeah. And I'm going to have to carry it a little different. And that just a sense of just uh, personality, but at the same time, leaving a lasting impression. Yeah. And, um, and I've been doing that every uh, since I can think back when. Wow. Um, and, and that's almost like a calling card, right? It is. Like, um, it's funny, like, uh, the running joke is when we go out somewhere, like, man, what, what running going to wear? Yeah. Right? You always ask your friends, <laughs> you go somewhere, like, all right, man, like, what's the dress code? How are we going to play this? It's like, man, I, I don't know how we going to play this. But I know Ronnie going to come with us. So I better, I better bring out something that's going to be fashionable. Um, and it usually works out well, man, but definitely uh, love the, that we really got a chance to hang out and grow close together, man, because I believe iron sharpens iron. Absolutely. And you want to, uh, one of my buddies, one of my brothers, man. So I definitely respect you um, and everything you got going on. Now, dealing with the the finish line and the Macy's, 
Um, when, when did that occur? How long ago was that? Um, it's been uh, four or five years now. Okay. Um, so we were looking for, you know, uh, as retail um, con- continues to be a little uh, tough, we try to think about ways that we can expand not only our brand and finish line, but also reach a di- different consumer. Um, and with the Macy's piece, it was mainly uh, women driven far as we, we knew that, um, you know, we, we, we're, when you walk into one of our regular stores, it's pretty much driven um, basketball. It was really male dominated. Although we do a good job there, we figured how do we expand our brand, but also get a, a different subset of customers. So, it was, uh, you know, we walked into that business. It was a lot of learning. Yeah. You know, we, we, we couldn't take what we were doing in the regular finish line and try to put it inside Macy's because it just wouldn't work. Right. Uh, so we learned really quickly. We had our own mindset of what we thought it was going to be. And um, we, we found out very quickly that we were wrong. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't about it wasn't a lot of people that was just looking for a good price or a cheap product. All right. Um, it was quite different. They were definitely a lot more fashionable than we thought they would be. And price wasn't, if the product was right, price wasn't the issue. Wow. And so we had to retool it because when we went in there first. It was more so we went in as almost like a dick sporting goods. You yeah, know, yeah. it was a lot of basic stuff, basic stuff. Right, and they right. told us right away, this ain't it. Yeah. And so we, we but, but, but probably because Macy's. I mean, that's them, right? They have yeah, a lot of that exactly. basic red shirt, black shirt, exactly. white shoes, black shoes. Exactly. So they, they wanted some flavor. That's they wanted some flavor. And they also, the customers let us know is that they expect that we were going to bring that. Yeah. And so, because um, we got a higher um, a level of product mm-hmm. that we would be able to put in those stores than what Macy's had access to. And so um, for us to go, you know, basically from zero to 350 million. Um, wow. And I mean, that it was a, it was a quick learning experience of, wow, wow. we've started from zero to nothing. And, and, and you couldn't do that in opening up regular stores. And nah, I mean, no. to be able to do it within, you know, finish line leasing space within Macy, you understand that the two customers were different and that uh, about 65% of that customer never walks into the mall. So think about that. They pull up, wow. they park and say, walk in Macy's and they turn around and leave. And that's it. So what that does, it, you know, it creates a, uh, a destination. So you're not competing against all these things that happen in the mall. So right. we were able to take advantage of that. And plus, with us taking the Macy's credit card, it, uh, it again, it added another touch point. Another revenue. Absolutely. So, so um, and, and malls, right, where Macy's is pretty much uh, a large part of their footprint mm-hmm. inside of, of the mall area. Um, would you have a, a presence inside of a Macy's and then a standalone store inside yes. of a mall as well? Yes. In fact, we have about 250 of those stores that cross wow. over. And what we did, we were trying to figure out, will this have some type of uh, cannibalization on the business? Sure. And what we found out, actually, it was better. Because wow. what, what happened now, we had stores that was in Macy's recommending you go see our store in the mall and vice versa. So we really had no cannibalization of the business. Wow. It's always funny when we look about um, stores and where we're going to plant stores at. Um, it's just saying, right, do you want to do $2 million in, in one location with one store or do you want to do $3.5 million in that location with two stores? Yes. Right. And, and that added incremental revenue does a bunch of things in terms of your ad budget, 
uh, employees, yes. er- everything, all those shared resources you can have when you have that kind of cluster, when you have those kind of resources all, all put together. That is true, because especially when you get to employees, because then it's you got breeding grounds mm-hmm. for, hey, you do good here. We might take you to the full line, and, and basically you're able to create a pool of good talent. Right. And But at the same time, you, you get that customer that's inside of Macy's. They they see you going above and beyond. If we don't have it here, it's possible that they may have it in um, you know in uh, full line stores or vice versa. Right. So it's been good. So great. So um, talking about talent, man. You brought yeah. a good point. So so what what do you look for in um in in, in your employee pool? I, I know when I go in there, they're typically millennials. Yes. If you will, but every once in a while, there's some senior people. Yeah. <laughs> Not all managers. Um, so, so what are you looking for in terms of talent? I mean, listen, good quality people is hard to come by. Oh yeah, I'm sure in retail. I mean, it, it's it is definitely you're looking for someone that understand there is a, it's a selling. Yeah. I mean, we look for people who actually can sell, but at the same time, connect from a customer service, which is extremely important right now. Because um, it doesn't matter if you you have the correct product all the time if you no one's there to sell it to you. Or no one to service you, yeah. And, and somebody's going to lose. And so having that, and uh, with the understanding that, you know, having a millennial there, but at the same time, we need to have some people that has the, uh, the worker mentality that's ethical, that understand customer service. Right. And so um, it's an easy say, hard do. Yes. You, they might say that in an interview, then it changes. Sure. But. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's a constant. It's, it's a constant evolution or two of training the people and yeah. then looking for the next people you may need. And so you have a balance there of maturity as far as people that's you know brand new, that's young. But then you you probably see a few people that's older, which is you know it's a plus as well. Right. It's funny in our industry, um, uh, people say that people pay for bad food, but they won't pay for bad service. That think about this. You can you, you remember every time you had good service. Yeah. But you had that one time when you have a bad experience. But customers never forget that that bad that, that bad experience. And and it's the same thing. I'll I'll go out my way. I even pay extra to get better service. And and versus going back to where I had a bad experience where I figured that they just didn't they didn't talk to me when I walked in or it's, it was just didn't want to help me. And it, it is the same thing in, in footwear as it is in, 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 especially in the food business. I can imagine yeah. when we come back. But it, I, I think from we have a lot of millennials that service uh, kids. And some of those, and it is one to size. Give me a 10 and a half, I'm out. Be okay with that. But long term, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll come back to bite you if you got bad service. Because the word gets around. Think about back in the day, you, you can have bad service and, you know, that's, that's, it. that's it. But now, somebody can get on social media. Yeah. You know, they'll tell a friend. They can tell 10,000 people at once. So. It, it's crazy when we quantify uh, one one bad experience from one customer, how much that's going to hurt sales. Right? Because if we had a good experience, they expect to have a good experience. Uh, so we always preach legendary service, right? Yes. Um, you don't remember regular players. You remember legends. So yes. that's what we want to give inside of our stores. And, and unfortunately, we fall short sometimes. Yeah. We make adjustments and we train. Um, but just that experience, if someone has a negative experience, they're not only going to 
you know, encounter that for themselves, they're going right. to go out and go on social media and share that with all their friends and their friends. And yeah. so you definitely want to try to minimize that as much as possible when you're involved in the business. Um, how proactive are you? Like, on you, I'm sure you guys have some type of media team, social media team that's kind of monitoring, um, kind of re- reviews and things like that and responding back. Yeah, you know, we, we do uh, even uh, a secret shopper program. Because okay. I, I think sometimes... Yeah, uh, you know, certain companies can get arrogant and you know to think that their service is a one, right. just on assumptions. So we hire a company to go in and really shop our customers. I mean, shop our stores because we really want to know, and so we can get that feedback and learn how do we get better. Um, whether it comes down to the greeting or the open conversation engagement, right. um, uh, those things matter. Or was it? Were they just seem dis- uh, disinterested? Were they on their phone? Um, all those different things we want to know. We see what the marks is, and then we'll go back and evaluate because um, it, it's pretty detailed right. as far as the stores, the time, when it happened, all those different things. And we'll go back and report on ourselves and go, how do you give yourself? Is it check of a five or was it a two or yeah. a one? And we, we had to really come to the realization that, man, this is a very uh, serious situation in years past when the evidence improved um, over the years, but it, it's definitely uh, a, a wake up. So is there a direct correlation between stores with good customer service and sales? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's funny you tap on that. It, it, it's so much that if you've got a strong team, um, that is customer service driven, right? And you have a song. You have another team that's not. Um, it, it, it's going to show in the numbers, but also it's going to return. It's going to show in the return customers mm-hmm. that come there. So we got a winner circle program that we sign people up, and you can tell how many times people come so that's back. A reward program. It's a rewards program, yes, right. and you can tell the times they return and come back, and you can clearly see where the sales team affect the. Uh, I would say the traffic that comes back in the stores and the experience that they're given every day, you can track and you can see as clearly we've seen um, a new store manager come in that's customer service driven, but know how to lead a team and we're a failing store. And the only thing you did was change the store manager. And clearly you can see the impact they made. It doesn't have to say, well, he's in there. It's going to take him out five to six months. You can see in the first month, actually. It's crazy. I went. I've been to a conference last year, and it said that the biggest impact you can make on sales is leadership. And, and, Absolutely. And my model was always the speed of the leader determines rate of the pack, and that's so true in so many different situations. It's all about that person up top. And we were laughing earlier about um, when you give the message to that general manager. Yes. How is he relaying that message to his team? Absolutely. And I think the enthusiasm that he shows to his team. Um, and his buy-in really is going to, you know, make you successful or not successful just based on that communication level. Absolutely. I, and I tell people communication cures all right. because how you communicate, um, you know, not only giving the message out, but then the follow-up to make sure what you thought you told them, they, sure. that they, they received it that way. Um, because a lot of times you run in, they think that, you know, you, you have a, you can articulate the message great, but then if they're not listening or they interpret it a different way, then it goes out to, you know, whether it's a district manager now that goes out to hundreds 
of employees. You have to make sure that they have exactly um, down and everybody's aligned. I mean, because if you're not aligned on on the message, and that's when you know for me, it's you know giving the message and then following up to make sure you know they interpreted what what I thought and we walked away aligned. Yeah. Um, because if not, then you you create even a bigger issue. It's funny when I do uh, motivational talks. And I talk to managers about them aligning um, with the rest of their team. I always tell them that when they're, when they're talking about the message, that their team listens on their favorite ch- uh, channel, uh, WIIFM. And that's what's in it for me. Uh. Right? <laughs> and, and when you're relaying the message, they're in their mind, they're thinking, like, all right. How does this affect me? Is this a sales thing? Is gonna affect bonus? Right. Is this a, is this more work for me? Is this you know what I'm saying? It, how does this affect me? And a lot of times they they too, they spend too much time figuring out what's in it for them. Exactly. And now enough time looking at the company's goals and objectives. Exactly. And if the company wins more times than not, then you're gonna win and you're gonna be successful as well. Exactly. You, you know, one thing I I learned about leadership is. A team. Uh, if you, you you're asking something, asking a team to do something you wouldn't do, right? Um, they'll pick up on it. But for you in there, and you're doing the same thing you ask them to do, then in they'll. What I find is that they'll either want to run run through a wall for you, yeah, and not disappoint you, or they see that you're you, you're not at a higher tier other than a title. And so uh, a lot of times I tell people that, you know, let's leave the titles at the door. And uh, and what you find is that you get a team that want to move together as a team. Right. And if they're not hitting the goals that they set forth, they feel like either they let you down. And for those ones that don't want to be a part of the team, they stand out like a, like a sore thumb. It's easy. And, and, and they eliminate themselves. Yeah. But for those ones that are uh, yeah, from a strong leader, they will follow you. They'll follow you completely, and, um, and that expectation level you always have it here. And I, I tell people, they say, "Listen, they say, well, if you got so many young people that's coming to work for you, and what I find is people lower the expectation because right. of someone being young yeah. versus setting the expectation all the way up here. Because if you if if you won't miss the you won't miss the big things if if the details is in the details, and so." We, we ask in the interviews up front, do you have a problem selling? Do you have a problem with customer service up front? And, and I think if you set those things right now from a, um, expectations from from soon as they start, then you, it depends on the leader that's going to get what they are. They, they're going to get out of the, uh, the employee. And yeah. um, it, it, it's extremely important. That's great. That's great. So <clears throat> let's talk about uh, Young Brownie. So, yeah. So, so what, what, where, where did you grow up? Grew up in Washington D.C. Okay. Um, yeah. What, what, what part? What part of D.C.? Uh, southeast. Born and raised in Southeast D.C. Southeast. Yeah, that was the hood. That, uh, yes. The that, hood. Is, that is the hood. Yes. What high school did you go to? Uh, believe it or not, um, I started out at. I, high school went to Dunbar High School. Okay, um, but early on, I um, I was at Savoy and grew up there. Um, you know, I stayed. I lived in Berry Farms, uh, <laughs> which is the project. The projects, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mary Berry. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I tell you what, I learned. I learned a lot about life, and uh, I, I knew how to survive. I knew, um, you know, watching my mom as a single parent. Yeah, I, 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 I uh, experienced the struggle, but at the same time, 
man, we made it happen. Yeah. We, we, some of the best times of my life was in the hood. <laughs> we made it happen. It, it, it's amazing when you think back to those times, how happy you were with, with what you had. Oh, yes. And, and it wasn't a lot, right? So it really just goes back any times, try to level set myself when I'm worrying about my third, fourth vacation of the year, and now exactly. turn out just like, man, I ain't going on vacation until <laughs> I was, you know, 16, 17. Yeah. And it just, it's just amazing where you get to, but not remember uh, where you started at. But that's amazing. And I tell people all the time, because I, I grew up um, in Camden, New Jersey, so rough area, mm-hmm. the hood. Um, then we moved to Glassboro, right? And it's funny, I would always say, and my buddies laugh at me, I would say, I, I grew up across the street from the projects. Mm-hmm. And I would always try to define that. Like, I ain't grow up in a project, I grew up across the street. I grew up with the project mentality, right? Exactly. That's what all my friends were. So that's where I grew up, and that's what I kind of learned from. And I always tell people, because it's all about role models. Who would you grow up listening to? And unfortunately, in the project, you don't have a lot of good role models, but I had a lot of people that I said, I, what I don't want to do. Yes. I don't want to grow up and be like him. I don't want to do that when I grow up. I don't want to be another talented young athlete who didn't get my education, who, who's not even eligible to play. Yes. Right. So, so for you, what, what was that? What, what did you? What clue could you leave us from your childhood that kind of helped you? Because you started working at a at a very oh, oh man, young listen, age. let me tell you, I, I started working at third. Believe it or not, I was uh, I was selling Washington Times newspapers <laughs> on the mall. Yeah, and I had to create my own spiel of being able to sell a Washington Times newspaper. And it was, you know, it was down at the uh, Air and Space Museum and I had to come up with my own slogan on how I'm going to sell these people to get people to buy. And so, I mean, literally I had to stand in front of people and sell this Washington Times newspaper. For me, it was motivation because I always liked to, I love to work because I I like nice things at an early age. And so I realized if I go out and and get it in the right way, kind of like you, I I looked at people and I go, man, I definitely don't want to be that. But at the same time, I had always wanted to work. And so um, they taught me at an early age of being self-sufficient. It taught me at an early age of being a go-getter. Understand you can make something out of nothing. And so... And that's for even at a young age, moving all the way through, um, you know, even to my first official, official job of, um, you know, working at Amigos Taco Hut. Um, <laughs> um, Taco Tuesday, baby. It was, it was definitely a learned experience <laughs> from, um, but at the same time, I gravitated because I was just hungry around one uh, provide and then actually help my mom out at the same time. But I always had a working mentality that I was going to make it. Now, talk to us about your first retail job, because I, I was at your wedding. You got married, a beautiful wedding. I think it was last year. Yes. And I was sitting with some of your uh, high school buddies. Yes. And they had a picture of you and, oh. uh, and, and some stripes, man. Talk yeah, my, my Foot Locker year. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, I worked part-time at Foot Locker, and I, I was a sneakerhead before I knew what a sneakerhead term was. I right. just I just knew that um, I liked uh, I liked selling. Like I, I could, I mean, people tell you, yeah, you can sell, you know, uh, water to Eskimo, I mean, ice to the Eskimo. I was the same way. I it was a joy of me coming in and selling somebody something that they came in, no, not even thinking about buying. Right. To me, it was more how it made people feel when they came in, and so. Um, wow. But your selling perspective is like creating win-win when you sell, right? Oh, yeah. You want to make them feel great about the I person. You're not taking great. advantage. I'm not taking just... advantage of them. I, I, I would just always get them to think about 
treating themselves. Yeah. And for me, it was a sneaker. And if they were like, yeah, this one's a little $25 cheaper or more. I'm like, listen, you work hard every day, right? Yes, I work hard every day. You provide for everybody. Well, treat yourself. You only live once. I bet. And then there are people, you know what? You're right. That's right. I don't live once. That's awesome. But it was, uh, it was great. So, you know, when in high school, everybody was going out to the games afterwards, and I was working. Wow. And people would come by, and, man, they, I heard all the Al Bundy jokes. Because I, I mean, I was dedicated. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I went out and we had a good time, but I answered the bill and certain things. I hey, I can't go. I got to work. Yeah. And um, it was that mentality around. Um, you know, even through high school, all the way through, it, people knew, man, hey, you ain't gonna ask funny because he he, he got to work. Right, right, right. So, so um, what year was this? So this was uh, wow, that was ninety. It's like ninety five. Wow. Yeah. Ninety five. Yeah. So ninety five. So. Uh, what, what was your like in high school? Like, what was the, like your sneaker that you had? I was like, oh, like, Jordans. The Jordans. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jordans. I, yeah, like, yeah. I had I had the Jordans and uh, Air Force One was just kind of but Jordans. If you had the Jordans, you know, I remember I had one with the iguana skin. I came out. I mean, you 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 couldn't tell me nothing with the Jordans. Then at that time too, um, you know, Reebok was. Oh, believe it or not, Reebok was actually bigger than Nike. It, during that time, yeah. During that time, every year before school, I get me five swishies in every color, right? Oh, the little yes. swishy pants that make noise <laughs> when you when you walk. Parachute pants. That's the parachute pants. And then I would get me a pair of white Reebok Classics and a yep. pair of black Reebok Classics. And I was good till about Christmas when I needed some yep. basketball shoes. For the basketball team. Yeah, I mean, back then, but Reebok, when you had the pump that came out, you know, the classics, I mean, you had exo fits, you had, and then in, and with the female, you gotta understand the freestyle highs oh, with the yeah. two straps. Oh, no, no. I, I mean, I, I would sell, uh, you know, f- three colors right. to a, a girl that came in. I mean, because it matched everything, but it was the go to shoe. Wow. So Reebok was actually in the US was bigger than Nike. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Where, where, where are they now? Oh, well, Reebok is uh, distant. You know, they're owned by Adidas. Okay. But it's, uh, uh, man, it's, I want to say they're probably a distant seven or eight. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So number one is Nike. Yeah, number one in the U.S. is Nike, believe it or not. Then, um, well, Nike and Adidas just passed Jordan because in, within Nike, the Jordan brand wow. is considered separate. Wow. Uh, so the Jordan brand as it used, to be, used to be number two. Number two. And wow. now Adidas has surpassed. And believe it or not, after that is Skechers. Really? Yeah. Wow. Skechers. <laughs> People wouldn't realize that. But you know what? They are very comfortable. <laughs> they are extremely comfortable. And, and, and it's crazy. Um, <laughs> they probably invest a lot of money in their technology too, right? Well, you know, the thing is this. They, you know, for, first of all, they'll tell you they're a marketing company yeah. that sells shoes. But um, if you try a pair of their shoes on, the customer don't want to take them off because they make a lot of shoes that's extremely comfortable. And so I think when they, um, I think it was a, a year or two ago when they surpassed Adidas, it put a fire behind them to go, okay, let's get going. Right. And so, um, but yeah. So um, it's crazy because we, we talk about this all the time. Adidas has been on a tear, mm-hmm. um, and you know, obviously, I don't know where they started from, where they climbed out of to get to that number two position. Yeah. Um, 
But I just think, well, how do you think Adidas took that much market share? I mean, what did they what did they do? And again, we, we let the show off with uh, you're responsible of, of buying. How, how, many, how many millions, billions are you responsible uh, of buying? 2.6 billion. 2.6 by Wow. Yeah. With a B. Yeah, with a B. Yeah. 2.6 billion dollars you were responsible for buying. So you're analyzing. So do you look at that catalog and say, okay, I got to have so much percent of Nike, so much percent of Adidas, so much Skechers. Like, how, how do you overall view that that purchases and where, where you allocate those resources? Yeah, so, of course, with, you know, Nike being the, the number one brand, you know, what we try to do is divest, uh, diversify the portfolio based on uh, one, the, the offering. I mean, because again, if if, if um, you know the largest piece of the business based on how much Nike represents for us, yes, um, you know it, it divides that pie. However, we we do look at things. Uh, you know, in the shoe business, we always say you only want you away. Um, what happened with Adidas is. You know, we've seen that happen before, with, even with Reebok. I remember the S. Carter. Yeah, with S. Carter, but even even be early on before that, when the Zig came out. Yeah. Um, you know, at one point we had. Uh, I think when I when I started at when I started at Finish Line um, in two thousand seven, um, we had. Um, I just remember with Reebok. I think we were doing like five million dollars at retail, and it was all driven out of the classics category. But then they had the toning came out. You know, the toning shoe, the little you know, that said that they give you better legs and butt. <laughs> um, yeah, 2.0. Exactly. <laughs> I remember us taking that business, man. We 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 basically went from five million to a uh, hundred million in a year and a half. In Reebok? Yeah. Well, what, wow, behind what shoe? Uh, so you had the Tony, and then yeah. it went to the Zig. You know, oh, the zigzag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes back to, you You know, the customer that was unexpected. It looked weird, but they picked so it the up. Zig, the Zig shoe was a, was it promoted as a cross-training shoe or like uh, a running shoe? Well, no, it was actually, it was it was promoted as cross-training. Then you, you had a you had a Zig run, you had a uh, Zig yeah. cross-trainer. But what, what it did was it, it was something different. Where the consumer comes in and it's unexpected, and that was unexpected. When you seen that, you seen a, a zigzag bottom, and but when then they tried it on, it was very, very comfortable. And so at one point, we were selling. Um, I, I think that sixteen thousand pairs a week, even from a kid's perspective, and um, um, it, it, it was a huge. I mean, so that year they jumped huge. With Adidas, it's almost that they created a movement. I think once they signed Kanye, Kanye pretty much, you know, had an effect. I guess halo effect, you know, on the rest, on, of, the brand. On the rest of the brand, which really, um, you know, what you see on people's feet was uh, Adidas. Right. Um, and but uh, it, it just you know sometimes you have that where customers, the customers are very yeah. interesting. You know they'll. It, if it seems like everybody's wearing the same thing, then sometimes they want to move to something different. Right, right. And that's why you see a lot of luxury brands winning right now because it was, you know, it's exclusive um, or it's just something different. You know, whether right. Balenciaga, those things, they've been winning. The ZO2s. Yeah, all those. <laughs> <laughs> ZO2s, man. What do you think about my man, LeVar? You, you know what's crazy? Uh, the, um, just as an entrepreneur, I yeah. respect you. You have to respect what he's doing. It's, it's really genius, right? Yeah. The only problem I have with him is his price point. Yeah. And um, it's not it, sustainable. It, it's not sustainable. Yeah. It just and it's crazy. People laugh at Shaquille O'Neal, and yeah. he's been selling shoes 
Yeah. Millions of shoes. He's actually smart. At, at what, twenty four ninety nine? Yeah, he's actually smart. I, I mean, whatever the shoe cost is at Walmart. Right. Right? But but it's a, it's a quality play, play for him. So it's just surprising to see Lonzo, which I think he's going to bud to like a pretty solid NBA All-Star. Yeah. Um, but four, what is it, 450 for a pair? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, first of all, LeVar is a marketing genius. Oh, yeah. Anytime you get the president talking to you, talking about you, I mean. He beat with the president. Exactly. He's a marketing genius. <laughs> uh, he he, he not believe it or not. He's a smart dude. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, for sure. But I think it more so to create the buzz. And, I, and honestly, did he think he was going to sell a shoot a thousand starting out? or it, Probably not. Because, you know, you looked at some of the hits he might have got because he didn't ship them or something of those case. But I think that when they do um, get a company that can actually um, scale, it'll be easy because people are thinking about, you know, yeah. big baller brand. Right. And they're talking about it already. So all of a sudden you go and you sign a deal or you sign something, you get somebody that can produce the shoes or production wise. Then it is you already in the grains of people's minds. I thought I saw something that Skechers. I thought I thought yeah. I saw something like Skechers were going to be like the mastermind behind. Well, yeah. Well, they, the Skechers have a brand. Um, well, it's not a brand. It's um, it's called Brand Black. Yeah, yeah. That um, and they make some fantastic uh, shoes. Um, um, I think their last shoe they did it appeared looks like they you know they may have made that that one shoe for. Right, so, right. so very. So I don't know if that was a one off or they're going to do it in, uh, continuously yeah. or not. But but the crazy part because and I, and I know we're switching up talking about a uh, little basketball, but the little Melo and Jello and Lithuania, they're they're both balling. Mm-hmm. So you talking about bringing brand to the potential value of big ball brand? I mean, he has to be very excited about. How Lithuania played out, even like the jersey play, oh, yeah. the marketing play. Like you said, he's one shoe away. So if he can uh, re-engineer that price point and and exactly. get in scale, That's and it. now he has the buying power, yeah, like he, he could really make a huge dent could. in the fashion world. He could. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't care what what uh, genre of business you in. Everybody likes to see the underdog win. Oh, for sure. They just do. Yeah. Now. When you fall, then that's well, that's just yeah. life. But it's uh, everybody likes to see an underdog win. Yeah. So so um so that's good. That's good stuff. The the one thing that always surprised me, man, and I had an opportunity, and and this is a great part about your job. You travel a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're, you're with the executives. Yes. You spend that time much. So you're with the guy, the CEOs of yes. these companies, yes. making these decisions. So one thing that has been surprising to me, and maybe it was like what was it five years ago. I went to um, to the grad school at uh, George Washington in D.C. Yes. Um, so we took a trip down to Under Armour mm-hmm. to see Kevin Plank. Yes. Um, he wasn't scheduled to come to me, and then he came and probably gave my, probably the most the ten most probably ins- inspirational like minutes of my life. Wow. Like what he was talking about, and it's funny. My young marketing team, I, I, I tell you, and this is the story that he says. Said some people get stuff done. Managers get it done, done. Like I get it done, done, done. Mm-hmm. Like it's complete finish out the door, yes. checkbox, what's next? 
That sounds like Kevin. Right. So, so, <laughs> and it was just so inspirational. And at the time, someone asked him a question and he flipped out. Someone was like, Kevin, you took the company from this much to that much. You're now third in the country. What, what keeps you so motivated to go on? And then he went on this like rampage, like, what are you talking about? I'm $500 million behind Nike. Three people on my heels every day. I'm working my butt off. I'm on. And then he just left off. And it was just like, so like to have someone that has that much success. And he's, not still so bad, he's not satisfied. Right. And I I think that's what drives them. And you get to a point where uh, I think in life, sometimes people get complacent. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I tell a man, I, I tell a store manager now, listen, okay. Um, they get that rookie manager and they, they're so happy they, that they got a, um, they just got the promotion Yeah. that they don't seize the opportunity. What they're going to do. They figure that's just, I'm going to wait before I make my stand Cause I'm new. No, no, you hit the ground and you think, okay, great. Thank you for the opportunity. But what you're going to do right now instead of waiting, I think sometimes people get complacent and go, ah, I'm the manager. Yeah. That's when I say, you know, you get into the title, you stand in there. But then it's like, in order for you to keep that, you got to keep producing, right? And I think you can't get complacent and be happy where you are. And that's the same thing with him. It's just like he hungry. He, he wanted, how do I be number one? Yeah. No, nah, that's, that's, and it's a Dalton task, but I think if anybody could do it, uh, he, he, he has to make a better sneaker. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I, I think we actually we we have a a launch we just passed um, actually just past weekend called the Hover. Okay. And uh, out the gate, it's good. Yeah. And and again, I, I think there was a you know we've seen the product uh, over a year ago, and there were some tweaks that went on the tweaks and twice and price changes, and I he might have a uh, have that shoe that gets it's really about. Um, Fashionable, not just on court. They make they they make great um, technical shoes, which right. we know. But they look technical. You want something to be able to I can wear, but I also I can wear off the court. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they've had struggles to the point where now they they really starting. You start to see them starting to promote with you know whether you have some rap artists. Uh, they really get some lifestyle so, stuff. So, so Steve, I think they do a like, job. Uh, Stephen, uh, no, Stephen Curry. Yeah, Steph Curry. Uh, yeah. So how, how are the Currys doing? Doing well. You, you, you know what? It's funny. Even uh, when they took the backlash about the uh, old man shoe, the, the, the dad shoe. The shoe. Yeah, we sold the hell out of that shoe. <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I think even when, you know, when Durant came out and said, anybody wearing those no, no unarmors? Yeah. We sold that shoe. Wow. And I think that, um, you know, it, it, it's it's one they're actually comfortable, but right. two I think Steph Curry it definitely helps. Well, what's the one Nike like the ambassador? Like they saw that like probably Sam's Clubs is like the the shoe that your uncle put on the monarch, the, the monarchs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so so that's what that shoe remind me of. Like that that person who bought the monarch, he upgraded uh, and bought the Steph Curry, the white shoe. Uh, it was like yo, yes. when we go to Denny's on Saturday night, like this is the shoe I'm wearing. Well, you see now that trend they call the dad shoes. That trend is in now with the Balenciaga with the big soul and all those things. It's in. It's kind of crazy, but uh, that trend is on trend right now. Wow. Uh, did, did you have a pair of dad shoes? Uh, I did not. I, I, I can say I never had a pair of dad shoes. Uh, wow. I never had a pair of BKs either. No? <laughs> so BKs. Uh, British Knights. No, no, no. So my... um. We used to go to this place called Cowtown. It was like a knockoff. Now that I know, it's a knockoff yes. shoe place, right? As a kid. Um, but we used to go Saturday night, we used to go to this like little market. And on the side of the road, it'd be a truck selling shoes. Up the, and, uh -huh. that's, and that's where we went shopping at. 
So I had some DKs, <laughs> man. I had some Patrick Ewan. <laughs> I had all these joints, man. Little do I know. Now do I know. They were knockoffs. They were knockoffs. Okay. You know? They were great prices, though. Listen, when it's, time, when it's too good to be true, you already know what it is. <laughs> it, it was five of us in the family, so. Hey, you had to do what you had to do. Hey, we had to survive. Hey, man. we caught it. Fake it till you make it. That's it. And bro. I had no problem doing that. Oh, they, they didn't have no, no J's, though, man. Nah. I remember the, I remember the knockoff Iceberg questions, though, boy. <laughs> You couldn't tell me nothing in the year where I had the iceberg sweatsuit thing called retail for five hundred. Got it for fifty bucks. Oh, man. I remember those days when uh-huh. you know I, I remember we used to buy Lacoste socks, Izod Lacoste oh, yeah. socks, and cut off the uh, uh, the gator and, <laughs> and, and so, glue it on. Yes, I've done that. Oh, man. So uh, yeah, I, I remember yo back in the day. Uh, I used to be on this. Uh, I used to get awarded at these football banquets. So you had to dress up nice, right? I didn't have a lot of nice clothes to dress up with. So I had this rotating sweater that I take back to Macy's and and mm-hmm. uh, and return and give me a new sweater the next week. Then <laughs> then they got on to me at the one store, so then I had to drive thirty minutes away, go to the other Macy's. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing though, man. The stuff you had to do to be fly, man. Oh yes, uh, the, indeed. That, that, all that stuff built character, man. It definitely built character. I mean it. It, it, it's nothing you can't overcome when you you bet on yourself and, no, and, and understand if you haven't had anything given to you, you you know what it is to struggle. You you'll find a way to f- to jump over obstacles. Right. So no, that's crazy. So your Instagram, what's your what's your Instagram? So listen, uh, Mr. Jefferson One. Mr. Jefferson One. Yeah, yeah. I, I when I had to elevate, I used to be RJ the Bowtie Don because I own <laughs> I actually own six hundred bowties, six hundred twenty four bowties. Wow. And so. Here's interesting thing about the bow ties. It don't matter what country I go to, and when I wear bow ties, it, it's a conversation starter. And yeah. the amount of people I've met just on bow ties, because it's like, wow, what you and you really tie it? Like yes. Um, and those bow ties, it's just you know, it's a conversation starter, and then you stand out no matter what. So you you never um, you never tried to start your own bow tie company brand or something? I, I didn't. I mean, you know what? People always hit me up for fashion advice too. It's like, man, you could be, you know, you could be a stylist. You ever thought about it? You know, because it's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, but now it's just come back and just uh, I, I can look at something that I know I'll wear that totally different than somebody else like you talked about colors and things I'll you know I'll jump out there with different fashion things and and I know how to own it and the confidence level with it you wow. know you can't come out with a a gold metallic tie on and be walking in the room like this, covering it up. You oh, walk yeah. in, the chest poked out, poke out one foot in before you walk in and then step in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. and that's definitely you. And you do you got uh, that metallic gold tie. I've seen it, uh, and uh, only you can put it yeah. off, and, and you for sure do. Um, so, um, another great thing about your job is, is travel and some yeah. pretty cool relationships, right? So, check out his, his Instagram. Um, just, uh, I think you spent some time with uh, Hussein Bolt, right? Uh, yeah, actually, quite a bit of time with Hussein. Um, um, you know, they do he do a great thing um, in Jamaica called Champs. It's called the Champs Game. So it's it's actually um, it's like the Super Bowl for high school track and field. Wow! And it's literally like sixty thousand people, and these are all high school. Uh, teams that's competing to be the next Usain Bolt. And it is unbelievable to see the unity there 
and to see how the schools band together. It's if you guys ever want to see what it's like, you you can go to YouTube and 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 put in champs um, in uh, um, uh, Jamaica, and you will be blown away. Wow! And it is. Um, and so we, I, I met him um, through Puma. And we went over there to see, you know, what that was like. And I, I went for actually three years. And through that time, this relationship, the guy's actually a really cool guy, too. Yeah. But it is a, a competitive, a competitive piece of um, um, those games. So he, he has a Puma deal. He, he uh yeah, he's he's a Puma athlete. Does he have a shoe or? Uh, yeah, he had his own shoe. You know, he had to run his bike, and then they did some things that, um, you know, from a um, athletic um, apparel as well. It's crazy. I've always respected him. Um, not only, I mean, on, on the uh, track. I mean, obviously, I mean, he, he's yes. one of the best. In fact, the best to ever do it. I mean, absolutely best to ever do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just. Uh, just an awesome athlete, yeah. but how he carries himself off the off the track, man. It just he's really um, an intelligent guy, right? He has several businesses out in Jamaica. Oh, when he has you, a restaurant. Oh he yeah, has, he's a restaurant there. And you go, you, you go to Jamaica, billboards around, whether it's from mobile to you name it. He he is the guy, and you know he's he's funny too, man. Yeah. He, he is uh, uh, a jokester. Um, but he's a real down to earth dude. Um, but he, he he's he's business savvy. He got he's surrounding himself with a good team too. Nah, that's great. Yeah, he, and, and that's probably a important piece in all of this, right? In your job and our and my job and Hussein, both you gotta have a good team around. Takes you a team to win in, in, in order to be successful. People ask me all day, like, man, how did you get having a good team, surrounding yourself with a good team, and sometimes that means shit. And, some 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 people that just um, don't want to see you win, or yeah. or surrounding yourself with people who wants to be successful and have um, that's going to give you some insights, uh, not just tell you what you want to hear, yeah. And more so give you that um, the benefits of um, something you didn't know, yeah. um, and you can learn that from anybody. And it's funny. I call it addition by subtraction. Yes. Um, so, so many times, you know, we used to freak out about assistant managers leaving or general managers mm-hmm. or something like that. And we think like, oh, man, we're going to like, no, like this two show passed. And if they didn't want to be here, then I don't want them here. Yes. Because that energy that they were probably having um, didn't just show up that week when they resigned. It probably was there months prior. Yes. And, and probably the chemistry in the restaurant has been changed because of their position. So very rare that someone put in their two-week notice and we like, but no, stay, you got to stay. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to be here, then unfortunately I don't want you here. And um, it's just a harsh reality of the business. I mean, yeah. One person can be cancerous to your, to your, to your oh, team. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I found out with a team is that when you have a team of, of people who who, who want to be there, it shows. And right. for those who don't, I think a person, they'll quit you before they quit a, a job yeah. a long time ago. You know, they already checked out. Um, that's why it's important, too, with, with your people. Now, outside of just um, the business people, I mean, the business business aspect of the business, you talk to them. Right. What's going on with you in your life, you know, and, and, and really genuine talking to people. You'll find that sometimes everybody's going through something, but um, the human aspect of it, if someone knowing that, you know, whether it's the, the manager that actually cares or uh, it, it goes a long ways. Wow. So, so um, the next, 
year, three year, five year? Like, so what, what are your projections looking like? We talked about the vision that you yeah. have to have in your job, in yes. your life. I mean, well, how, how do you how do you view that? How do you view the future? How do you how do you look in? How how do you lead to that success? Right, because success is intentional. Yeah, and it's well planned, and it's thought out, and yeah. it's and it's, it's a process, and and everything has to kind of be in line in order for that success to happen. So many people look at successful people like, oh man, he got lucky. Yeah. Nah, I, I work my I work my butt off. <laughs> To, to obtain the success, right? It doesn't have a lot of mistakes. Sometimes you let you win a lottery. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. You, you, and, and again, it starts with a process. I call it the plan, prepare, execute. Right. Because um, a lot of times people jump out there, they don't have a plan. They yeah. just see the inroads and go, I want to get there. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't happen like that. And it, it, it ties back to everything we talked about. Um, you know, communication cures all. Having a team that wants to win. But also um, and setting your expectations of and, and defining, you know, what what you know, what do you what do you view as a success, and and set that bar to that point, um, and then once you set that bar, it has to be something that is uh, realistic. But and you, you set the bar because I, I guess you know success to you might be different than what it is to me, and and, right. and but um, they all have the same common goal of setting a plan. Uh, you can prepare, and then how you're going to execute to get to it, um, and then having standards that you um, you know uh, that you don't want to go below, and everybody understands those standards of. You know, my expectation, but then my standards is here, and this is how I'm going to get to it. And hard work, dedication, it it it, it has to follow suit with that. Because a lot of times I meet people, they want to be successful, but they don't want to work. Oh yeah, they don't want to work hard for they it. They want to match. They want to lose fifty pounds. Oh we'll build, man, we'll uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> it, the hard work, the dedication, hard yes. work, working out, yes, it, it's a process. Yeah, absolutely. You 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 got to set the goals, but at the same time, you got to work to hit those. And within that, you know, the failure piece of it is a part of it. Yeah. Because if you you hit a wall and you go back and you, you go back again and you know you see that wall, I've got to find a way to get around it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's it's amazing to me that whole failure piece, and we can have a whole different oh, on, on the failure. Man, I learned so much. Uh, we went at, but it's crazy <laughs> to me. So I, I tell people, if you're on a, a drive and it's a ten you know, our destination, mm-hmm. right? And an hour, eight and a half, you blow your tire. Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to call an Uber and, and drive way back to your destination? Or are you going to solve that problem at eight and a half hours right. and get you to your destination? Yes. And, and I see so many people at hour, eight and a half, or right before they reach their goal, yeah. they pull out. Yeah. And it got tough. And it got difficult. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and my, my thing is always, it's supposed to be tough. It is. It's supposed to be difficult. Yeah. And and everyone doesn't realize um, how tough it is. How, and it, it's for everyone. It is. And it, and, and it's failure is all right. And, and I try to instill that in my managers that it's okay to fail. Yeah. As long as you learn from it. Exactly. I tell my bias, be in a, be in a hurry to make a mistake. Yeah. That bad buy, you know what? Repeat. If you run into a bad buy, that's fine. Because, I mean, you're out looking. Yeah, but the moment you start playing defense, we did, we did in the water. You got to be in a hurry to make a mistake. You got to be in a hurry to find what's next. And by doing that, you have to try some stuff. Wow! And you know what? You're gonna it, it may may fall, but you know, creating an exit strategy ahead of time that comes back to the plan, prepare, execute. If this doesn't work, then what am I do? You got to ask yourself: If this fails, how am I going to get out of it? What am I going to do to get out of it? 
but it shouldn't cloud your judgment for the next one because then what happens is competition to grab it because you got a team that's scared and operating that way. And it's and like in the football field, he'll play badly yeah, and move on to the next. You got to move on to the next one. But uh, but I, but but it comes back to um, yeah, having that um, taking some risks. Yeah, and that's the same thing in life. You got to take some risks. Calculated risk. Calculated risk. But, but and, risk. And but risk. I yeah. mean, so uh, if not, somebody else will, somebody else will be out there finding the slinky. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The slinky, the slinky, the one, the one, the two. Or the etch a You know, I don't know if they still make that anymore, but yes. Probably billionaires right now with oh. ideas. Oh, absolutely. How many times do they hear no? Oh. How many times do they fail? You know, I, I tell people that, you know, oh, gosh, I, it's funny. I had, I had a conversation with my son. The other day, and, and he was telling me how he was, um, you know, uh, hit a roadblock on something. And I said, "Okay, so now, so what you gonna do?" Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start something different. I said, "Well, let me, let me explain something to you. The moment that you give up, and whether it's because you're working for someone or, uh, or you can't get past it, you got to know. The moment you give up, you'll be doing that for the rest of your life." So when you keep knocking, keep knocking on that door, and if you knock to your knuckles, get bloody. But then if it gets to the point you can't knock them off, use the other hand. All it takes is one yes. And so, you know, just basically tell them that you can't, you can, if this is really what you want to do, you have to set the time to do it. But at the same time, there's going to be obstacles. It's a yes and no world. So what? They say no. You find another way to get to it. Wow. But, yeah. That's so good. I, I, I tell my kids, man, how, how you do anything is how you do everything. Absolutely. So so once you, you become a quitter, and, and it's great to, to pivot. Sometimes you got to pivot. Yes. That's not quitting. Yeah. Right? But once you, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. So you got to have the mentality that, that it's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. Right. And I'm going to find a way to make it work. That's it. That's great, man. Last question, last question, man. We ask all of our guests this, um, the podcast, the name Success Leaves Clues. You you left a bunch of clues yeah, yeah. today. Appreciate them. Right. Our guests, our listeners going to appreciate the clues. What What is your last clue that you can leave to our listeners um, just about life in general, about vision, about anything that you learned that kind of led to your success? Yeah. One thing for me I, I would say that led to success was just understanding that you know, um, every day you have opportunity to break, um, to wake up and breathe air is an opportunity. Mm. And, and my mom used to tell me, closed mouth, don't get fed. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? And that comes back to betting on yourself. Um, the the networking is is almost like, for me, was the best thing ever. Me and I, because I had personality, I don't have a problem meeting people, talking to people, talking to people. But that piece of surrounding myself by successful people in any different genre of uh, work ethics, it just helps me, uh, it, it helped me achieve. And so by networking with people and understanding how'd you get to where you got and talking to people and getting a different perspective, it just made me just elevate. So when you have a chance to meet people and sometimes you sit in the back and don't want to go, you know, break yourself out of that cove and, 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 and meet people and and sometimes elevate your circle. Right. And, and and surround surround yourself with not just positivity, but surround yourself with people you feel are successful. But also ask yourself, what am I doing that I can do better every day? Wow. So um and, and yeah, I can go on and on and on, but I I, I, I can leave you with this. I at one point I I um I had a stumbling block 
where I had lost everything, right? And I had to start all over. Yeah. The best thing that helped me was a um, dollar store. I got an um, uh, eraser board to put on the refrigerator, and I had to write goals down. And I started out crazy. I got to get a million dollars in the bank, right? Then I had to realize, okay, I, I had to put sustainable things that I could get to. And it was literally when I got to the point where it was $500 in the bank. It was very retainable thing. But what, it, what happened was when I was able to cross those off, bigger things I could put on there. It just got my self-confidence up. And that's when I realized that, you know, I had to bet on myself. But crossing those things off or setting goals for myself, it, it just it, it made you wake up different in the morning. And so, you know, never be afraid to dream big. But at the same time, you got to put it in perspective where it's obtainable for you. But, you know, you got to bet on yourself. I love it. I love it, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. man. Pleasure being here, man. This was fantastic. Yeah, my man, Ronnie Jefferson, Senior Vice President, General Merchandise Manager at Finish Line. Um, shout out one more time. Give me your Instagram. Yes, Instagram's Mr. Jefferson One on uh, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you have uh, Facebook? Uh, yeah, Facebook is uh, Ronnie Jefferson on Facebook. Uh, you know, your government. Uh, yeah, the government. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the government is Ronald Jefferson. Ronald Jefferson, yes. but Ronnie <laughs> is what, what we call him. Absolutely. Um, now, I appreciate you, brother, man. This is great. Yeah. Episode 3, Success Leads Clues. There's plenty of clues there that you can follow. Absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest ones, bet on yourself, people. The time is now to bet on yourself. If you're thinking about something, you believe in yourself, go ahead and bet on yourself and make that transition. This is Gary Brackett, Success Leaves Clues. I hope you all make it.